Greetings everyone, this is Kim C and you're listening to The Year of Underrated Stephen King, a podcast that insatiably reads from the greatest novelist of all time. So welcome everybody to the real episode 21. I made a bit of a faux pas with our episode 20, The Dead Zone, calling that 21, but my mistake, we've made it to the real one. So on today's episode, we're going to have a little bit of a mini uh, exploration of some fun topics I wanted to share with everybody, and this is just an opportunity to catch our breath between novels and gear up for the next investigation. But I I think I'm doing okay in terms of catharsis corner. I'm not needing one right this second. Um, my heart is still a little bruised from the tragic fate of our precious Johnny Smith, our main protagonist in The Dead Zone. So if you haven't listened to it, go ahead and do that. And if you haven't read it, do that first. Because uh, Johnny really broke my heart a little bit in, in a really good way. But I think having such a thorough discussion, I was able to (laughs) work through the pain, so I think I'm okay on not needing a catharsis corner at the moment, but I did have a couple fun questions that have popped up in these last few weeks reading and rereading some of these titles. They're really random, and I don't know if I've heard them asked on other podcasts or other uh, interviews with Mr. King, so maybe you have a couple fun ones in your own mind that you'd like to to uh, share or that lines up with mine. So we're going to explore that. And then I actually had a listener reach out to me and ask for some advice or tips on writing or writing exercises to sort of unblock yourself or get in, get the creative juices flowing. So there is an exercise that I would like to share with you guys if you are trying to write and consider yourself a writer and you're feeling a little bit blocked. This was an exercise I did in grad school um, that was immensely helpful. We actually had to do it for homework, but it, it was such a profound Um, cool idea that really uh, assisted me quite a bit that I use it um, for lots of different things now. And then even if you're not a creative writer or someone who wants to work on their novel or do some fiction or nonfiction, I think everybody might be feeling a little bit blocked, potentially, um, especially blocked creatively. I think all of us are just in straight-up survival mode these days. But um, this might be something you might try just for a few days or a week and see if you like it and if it just gets your inspiration, motivation flowing or your... your uh, mental sort of ambitions activated again. So we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But my first question, um, I, I, this is so random guys. I can't, (laughs) I can't wait, but so I've got about six here that I've narrowed down, maybe seven if all goes well. But as I've been reading through these books, one thing I have noticed is these characters, whenever they have sort of a quiet moment of reflection and they sit down to eat a meal, we've been seeing the same sort of food item pop up. 
So hopefully if Mr. King was sitting in front of me and we had a nice comfy set of chairs and maybe after coffee or a tea, I would ask him this question and I would pray to the heavens he wouldn't roll his eyes or just walk out of the room. But so my first question to Mr. King is, are you a fan of beef? And uh, what are your favorite beef dishes? And I would ask that because we have hamburger everywhere. Just in this, you know, in the exploration of this podcast alone, every single meal that I've been noticing has involved hamburger. For example, um, Lisi, when she is uh, sort of in between the attack from Jim Dooley, uh, or I think it might be before that, she makes Hamburger Helper for all of us 80s kids who here in the States. I don't know if they have Hamburger Helper overseas. They might. It's, um, it's, it's kind of delicious in a highly caloric, highly sodium-filled way, but um, Lisi eats a kind of cheesy hamburger dish. We have Edgar Fremantle, and after his sort of manic painting episode, he gravitates toward a pound of ground beef and he smashes that into a pan and borderline eats it raw because he's so hungry. And then in, we also have the mention of raw hamburger in The Long Walk. One of the characters kind of had it in his backpack for nutrients and the walkers were talking about it. Um, I think Ray Garrity was super perplexed as to why raw hamburger would be eaten. So I thought that was pretty crazy. And then in 112263, Jake at Al's Diner loves the burgers there because Al prices them very low because as we find out, he's getting the beef from 1960 uh, through the time portal. But we've got hamburger everywhere. And so every time I read about it, kind of makes me a little hungry. I don't eat red meat too often, but when I do, it's in the form of, you know, either uh, a yummy steak or a burger on the rare special occasion. But I I just have noticing that um, in fiction, they always tell us anytime you can describe food or someone eating, do it in spades. Like you always want to uh, overindulge in the description of food, what it looks like, the temperature, what it tastes like. Um, anytime you can describe food, it's such a sensory hot button because all human beings eat food. And so uh, I, I'm just noticing that we have food as kind of an afterthought. I don't know if King explores it too, too often, but I really, um, anytime he does, I've just noticed it's always been some sort of hamburger thing, some sort of red meat beef dish. And so I, (laughs) I love it. I kind of just noticed that throughout these novels. I'm like, everybody's eating burgers. So I wanted to ask Mr. King, um, if he's just a fan of, of um, a good burger, if uh, what his favorite beef dishes are. And what I also love about King is he's so um, American. I think that King is such a, not only is he just sewed in uh, to American pop culture, he's so plugged in all the time and has been for decades, I'd say. I, I just think um, he's a child of the 50s and he's a child of, and just grew up in this Americana um 
zone uh, of commercialism and fast food and all of the sort of things that make America very uh, bright and shiny and internationally um, recognizable, I guess. And so I, I guess I'm just, I'm so interested into, I, I love how American he is and I love that we get this uh, real sense of, <laughs> um, yeah, I've never read of Stephen King characters like eating a bowl of pho or eating, you know, a really, really international um, cuisine, ethnic cuisine um, that I know of. But uh, he, I think he loves his hamburgers. And so I wanted to ask about that because, hey, yeah, who doesn't love a good burger? So that would be my first question. I've been seeing uh, hamburgers and beef pop up in several novels, and I'm sure it's in actually more than the ones I have have seen or read recently, but those are just uh, what I've noticed in the books we've read on the pod thus far. So my first question is about food. So my second question, and this is kind of along the lines of the first question, I think this is more prominently in the earlier novels. I haven't seen it too, too often in the latest ones. Um, in the last two decades of King, but the blue chambray work shirt. I know um, many King fans have kind of discussed this uh, quite often, but it seems as though almost every Stephen King character has like a blue chambray work shirt, which if you look it up, it's very, um, it's just, yeah, it's a working guy. It's, it's a kind of working man shirt for sure, but I, I just wonder, I wonder if that's like his favorite sort of article of clothing or why he continues to sort of put his characters in that or whether or not the whole physical description of a character, what they wear, what they look like, if that's not something he enjoys doing as much as he likes dialogue and plot and getting in there. Because I think um, I, many of his characters are blank canvases in a lot of ways, so I wonder if that's the way he keeps them blank canvas. Um, my third question is kind of tying in having read um, The Dead Zone and The Institute, and we have the psychic children um, or the psychic uh, telepathic. I wonder if, um, let's see, well, I guess what I want to do, my third question before I ask about Psychic Children, I wanted to know what his favorite comic book hero or villain is, um, whether it's Marvel or DC or someone else, because I wonder, you know, who he would say, um, and I wonder if that would lead into my fourth question, which is why psychic children or why telepathic abilities? So I'm wondering if the favorite comic book hero, whether it's Doctor Strange or someone with a telepathic ability, or maybe it's somebody completely left field like Batman, who doesn't have any powers. Um, so I'm really interested as to who he would say on that. And then my fourth question, hopefully having gotten the answer for his favorite comic book hero, would sort of ask, what is it about the psychic ability that is so intriguing for you um, to where we have 
lots of psychic children or special children in the King universe. Danny Torrance, of course, with The Shining, his gift is incredibly special. Then we also revisit that in the Institute with several children who have telepathic and telekinetic abilities. Um, Charlie in Firestarter. Um, there's a lot of kids with shine. There's a lot of people with shine in Stephen King's universe. And so I guess I wanted to unpack that a little bit as to what is it about knowing, is it specifically knowing the future or is it just the clairvoyance knowing in general um, of, of having that insider knowledge? Because I wonder if he ever toyed with the idea of different powers such as invisibility or um, teleportation or other fantastical abilities that we see in other novels. Um, you know, Carrie, I know, sort of exhibited a little bit of the, um, the telekinetic uh, she moves stuff for sure, but I, I guess I wanted to explore that in a deeper way. Like, what is it about the moving, and, or pardon me, the, the mental uh, psychic abilities that is so intriguing for you? And when did that start? Was that something that, was that the power you always wanted when you were younger, so to speak? So, um, yeah, psychic children, psychic people, uh, it's such a prominent theme in King's work, so wanted to unpack that a little bit more. My, um, fifth question is, how does he pick character names? And I ask this because um, I love his character names, especially the last names. I think they're so unique and original for the most part, but I just wonder how he comes up with them. And we do see repeats um, in several novels. For example, uh, I noticed that we've got a character in Dolores Claiborne named Vera, and then we also have Vera, who's Johnny's mother. So we've got a lot of repeats in there, and uh, with, with several characters, we have Ben Hanscom, Ben Mears, so a lot of first name repeats. So. I, I just wonder if it's something where it's totally random as he's typing. He just like, oh, I need a, what's his name? What's his name? Ben. Ben, letter D, Dylan. Or, or so I, I guess I was sort of wondering, is it totally random or is there a, a name bank? Um, is it, I, I'm so curious because I, I just wonder how he goes about picking the names and if they're based on real people they might be um but when he uses the repeat names is that intentional does he want is that like a little secret easter egg for the reader to sort of connect a little bit i mean that might be a total nerd rabbit hole for sure but um yeah, I'm always curious about that because I love uh, some of the character names we have in there. Um, I, I, with my students, I think that names are something that they put a lot of work into, especially if you're a genre fiction author and you really enjoy um, either reading fantasy or science fiction. I think the names are very, very important. Um, for example, uh, I had one female student. She had her main fairy warrior named um, Nevaeh 
Nagavandra or something like that. Like, it was very epic and beautiful. Um, and of course, you know, the name uh, had a lot of back history and connections to royal lineage and dynasties and it means this. And there's a day celebrating the patron saint of the person who... So names are extremely important um, to uh, the creative process, I think, as well as to story. So I've always loved the way uh, Steve sort of comes up with these names. Uh, but I wonder just what his process is and how he does it. So uh, let me see here. Um, my last one, and this is just, again, maybe it's just a sign I'm hungry and I need to make some lunch, but this goes along with the hamburger, my first question, or the beef-centered um, what would be the last meal uh, before you die? So what would be the death row, uh, either last meal kind of thing? Because I think that for the most part, many people choose uh, dishes or favorite meals from people they love or they associate it with experiences whether it was a place you loved, a place you grew up, or the people who cooked it for you, you associate the meal with them. And so I think that's a pretty loaded question into um, what, how we associate food with memory and love, and um, I think it's an important one. And so I wonder if it would be a hamburger, and uh, if where that hamburger would be from, or if it would be from another time in his life. I just think it's one of those questions you could go a zillion different directions. Um, for me, I, I always change it, my, my death row meal, but um, gosh, I'm such a sweet tooth, so I have a feeling there would have to be some sort of dessert item in there. I can't really nail down what it would be, whether it would be ice cream or some sort of pastry. And then um, my ultimate favorite food in the whole world is Vietnamese, and so I think that I would probably have a bowl of pho. Um, uh, that could change, I don't know, but um, I think it's, it's one of those meals that in my personal life journey has always just made everything better. So I, I wonder, but the, yet again, if I could, you know, get something my, my immediate family made. I don't know, maybe I would go that route. So uh, we'll see. Uh, it's. I think it's a good one. So those are six random ones that I kind of compiled and put together, but if I had to scrap all of them, I want to know about the hamburger. I really do. That's my number one question. Mr. King, tell me about your thoughts on beef, please. So, um, I really like that. I noticed a thread in all of that. If maybe he's just super duper American meat and potatoes kind of guy um, and uh, why these characters always gravitate toward beef in moments of either reflection or an intense sort of uh, physical, mental, emotional state, they're, they're cooking up some hamburger in the pan. So what do you guys think about that? Um, 
What are your thoughts? And if you guys know the answers to some of these questions, please let me know. I would love to know. Uh, feel free to write us in uh, on all the social media and underratedsk at gmail uh, if you so wish. And then my last sort of tidbit here is to um, answer my dear listener who wrote in about some fiction tips. And so this exercise we did in grad school and I had a really awesome professor who, as part of our homework, he was very um, unpredictable and off book much of the time. But in order to, this was a beginning fiction class, and so he recommended for three weeks that we buy a any sort of notebook we want, either a composition notebook, uh, a journal, um, anything you want. And the assignment was when your alarm goes off in the morning you might have to set it a little bit earlier in order to do this experiment but when your alarm goes off and you wake up before you leave your bed you cannot leave your bed you can't unless you you know have to pee and you're dying and you just are gonna your bladder is gonna explode but if you can hold it you must sit up in bed and you must write in that notebook for 15 minutes you must do it and so it doesn't have to be complete sentences you could honestly just write this sucks this sucks I'm tired 18 times um, how but it must be for 15 minutes and even if the majority of like the last five minutes you're just not saying anything uh, with any substance in it at all, uh, it doesn't matter. You just have to move your hand with a pen on the paper for 15 minutes. And at the end of three weeks, we turned in those notebooks to him and each day had to be present. There had to be um, a date at the top and the time. You can do that if you want. We had to for homework's sake. But uh, And then he would look at our entries and I loved it because what was so fascinating guys is the first week is totally just you hate it it's stupid every sentence is this is stupid i'm tired i want to go back to sleep i don't want to go to work today i don't want to go to school i hate this class i hate this professor this guy at this class is cute it's all just really dumb really uh strange random stuff because your brain is freshly waking up but then by week two, something really extraordinary started to happen and the thoughts are coming clear and sharp and you're you're finding yourself writing several sentences and you're writing the entire 15 minutes. And it was a wonderful exercise to get the juices flowing in terms of sitting down to write and getting stuff out onto the page. So if you are a writer, I recommend trying this exercise. You don't have to do it for three weeks, of course. You can do it for two weeks. You can adjust the time to 10 minutes. You can do it for, I would say, don't reduce the time less than five minutes. Um, I would say you have to have, do a minimum of five minutes writing. I But I would, I would even do 10 minutes because five minutes can go pretty quickly. Um, but maybe you adjust it week by week. First week you could do five, maybe eight minutes, second week you do 10 you might have to adjust your wake-up time uh, which is hard for a couple people but 
This is one of those exercises that by those maybe uh, day four, day five, you're gonna notice something. You're, you're definitely going to notice um, the way you're thinking and the the things you're coming up with. When you go back and read the entries, you're really gonna be surprised as to what's there. And it was a wonderful exercise to just get the engine revving. And this might be for um, to help us all process sort of what's going on in our life, whether we're kind of just holding it in and it's uh, packed in there pretty tight. Um, so it might help just sort of being an emotional catharsis, that little, it might be a meditative exercise uh, for everybody to just dedicate 15 minutes where you're just focusing on moving your pen across the page and it doesn't really matter what comes out. Um, or it, if, if you are trying to write, if you are in a if you are a fiction author or a nonfiction author, this is a great way to get juices flowing. Or if you are someone who is trying to attempt something creative in general, whether it's music or uh, making something with your hands, craftsmanship, anything like that, I think this is a nice exercise to sort of unclog any mental sink blockages you have. Um, I think that this is a nice, subtle, simple way to just see what happens um, rather than, um, I think the pressure of opening up your laptop or your word processor and sitting down and just writing for five minutes, I think that that's a little bit difficult to do sometimes, especially whatever time you're approaching it at because we are uh, in the land of distraction with all of our devices. But in the first few minutes, and if you want, you can try to avoid checking your phone before you wake up uh, or have it on do not disturb during that time. But give it a try, guys. Give it a try and see what you think uh, and see if that maybe helps get some thoughts down, unblock a few things, and it might be a good thing for all of us just to try in these times because unfortunately, at least in my neck of the woods, it's really not getting any easier. Uh, I think it's gonna be a long summer in um, hopefully manageable, digestible ways, but I, I think that a lot of us are maybe a little uh, fatigued in our soul. <laughs> so um, I'm actually going to do it uh, myself. I haven't done this exercise in several years. Uh, when I was doing my thesis for grad school, I was doing it when I um, was working on a couple other projects a few years down the road. I, I did it for a couple weeks, but I actually would like to try it again. So uh, this upcoming um, Monday morning, I'm going to dedicate about 15 minutes, maybe 10, because I'll, I, I can, I foresee myself being a little bit of a brat about it, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a go. So I hope you guys take the opportunity to maybe give it a go yourself and see if you want to do it for two weeks, three weeks, um, definitely do it for one week and don't stop. Don't stop. Can't get up to pee. Can't leave your bed. Sit up, turn on the light, write for 15 minutes, and it just has to be anything. It could be one word the entire time, um, but uh, I'd, I'd like to see what you guys think of this 
uh, exercise. So please write in um, and uh, let me know how it goes. That's about all I have on our little mini ditty for this uh, episode. So I appreciate all of you so much. If you would be so kind, I would like to reach some more readers and um, have us uh, expose <laughs> all of the fun we're having to more Stephen King fans. So if you would go to Apple Podcasts and give me a five star, that would be so appreciated. I um, hug and thank you in advance. Uh, as mentioned previously, we are featured on all the social media. If you'd like to reach out, I would love to hear from you guys. I adore listener comments and I appreciate all of your thoughts and let me know if you have the answers to any of these questions, if King has answered them in other interviews over the years, or what your thoughts are, what your hypotheses are um, on some of these questions. And uh, I don't know, is is hamburger Mr. King's favorite food? If it is, I'd like to know. Um, so I appreciate you all so much. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, wherever you are in the world, please stay safe, get some sunshine, have a yummy sandwich or something, and I will see you on our next episode, which I'm pretty sure we're going to be heading into the deep dark woods with Trisha for the girl who loved Tom Gordon. Pretty sure, but we might have a curveball. Thank you all so much, and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.